Hey, this is Chris and Jan Woodruff, and you are listening to the Hindsight Podcast, where we sit down with people and we take a look back at what we can learn from a very specific season in their life. So I got to have this really great lunch today. I uh, I had lunch, I told you about this, with a Mm -hmm. friend. Um, He invited me to lunch. He's got uh, two boys, 10-year-old and then uh, a guy in, in first grade. And he wanted to sit down because he knows we have the two older boys. He knows, obviously, we have Rena, but just the boy right, connection. Right. And he's approaching that, hey, I think I need. it's time for me to have the talk, you know, like the dun, talk. Dun, yeah, the yeah. big, you know, young man <laughs> talk of, of sex, birds and the bees and all that kind of jazz. And it was a really cool opportunity. I got to sit and reminisce a little about that time with the boys, right. but also got to pass along the knowledge and the experience that that I learned from other dads, right. um, which was really cool because and it's I did needed. the yeah I did the very year. same thing. You know, six years ago, I reached out to a couple dads right. and said, "Hey, I have no idea how to have this talk. What does this look like?" And took all their learnings and, you know, did that with CJ and Ty. And then obviously you, you've taken that and done it with Rena. But mm-hmm. um, really cool to sit down and be able to share, you know, what I learned right. and then what we learned with uh, with them so that he can maybe approach that with uh, a little bit of info. So, it yeah. definitely is a team effort because even though it's a conversation that we can speak to, it's not necessarily something that you plan to have with your kids. So I remember when you were doing the first time with CJ, we were both so nervous, and he, he had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. cool, let's just climb a mountain. Yeah, right? So that was fun, and uh, and just to think back. And uh, and I won't tell you about when I asked CJ earlier today, <laughs> hey, do you remember? He said, yeah, I remember this. Like, whoa, okay, you were listening. That's good. Hey, That's you good. were listening. Yeah. Uh, but it is something that we continue to talk about in other so ways. So continues to um, remind me that we have to live in a tribe. Yeah, we got to learn from others. Needs to be done by ourselves. It's more fun when we have people to. Got to learn from others, which is why we do the Hindsight Podcast. Hindsight Podcast. So with that, we are now getting ready to introduce the second podcast with Randy and Krista Walton, and hopefully you got to listen to the first one. It was awesome. I re-listened to it just because I get so much out of it each and every time. And this second one will be equally as great. They're going to talk about dating. And they're going to talk about what their philosophy as a family is. And Chris is actually pretty passionate about teenage boundaries and dating. And she'll talk a lot about what their thoughts are on that. And um, we're also going to talk about launching your kids into college. So that was helpful because really it starts in high school. Yeah. You don't, just like anything, I think the biggest learning that I'm getting is that you can't just wake up in a stage and master it. You've got to start preparing Years and years before. So for us, I think right now is key for us to be launching into college while they're still here in high school. Yeah, and they provide some really great examples of how they did that. It wasn't just, hey, you should do this. It was, here's what we did uh, to kind of prepare them to launch and, you know, shifting some responsibility to them and their decision making mm-hmm. while they were under the roof. So really great stuff. I think you guys are going to enjoy some time here with Krista and Randy. So we're excited to sit down for our second episode with Randy and Krista Walton, and we are going to be talking about high school and then also launching into college. So let's just jump in with you guys. We were talking previously about the middle school years. We are now, we have a high schooler and are very excited about learning about what those years look like. So talk about boundaries. Let's just talk, jump into there. And what kind of boundaries did you set for your high schooler girls? Okay, let's talk academic boundaries first. Okay. Because um, I'm going to go back just a minute into the middle school years. Mm-hmm. If there's any time to fail, it's in middle school All right. academically. Hmm. Let them get the F. Yep. Okay, because it's not going to be on the transcript. Right. That's right. We agree with that. Absolutely. So in middle school, you want to train them to be independent learners in high school. Okay, right? I love that. So now they're now we're moving into high school, so our boundaries academically in high school. This isn't a written rule. Like you wouldn't ask our girls, did you know? Did your parents say this to you? It was yeah. more implied. Okay. Right. Academics was first priority. You're going to do well. Everything counts. Mm-hmm. Right. If you don't know what you're doing, if you're confused, we're going to get help. We're going to either find it on the internet. We're going to get you a tutor. We're going to get mm-hmm. you help. But academics is your job, so we okay. have to learn how to do well. Okay. Did you have a standard that you 
you know, maybe didn't like lay down the law on, but you talked about for them to strive for. Like, uh, you know, we don't, for us, we don't talk about how, hey, we expect hundreds, we expect 98s. We don't talk about that. Um, but what going into those high school years, knowing that grade point is important, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, if they're setting themselves up for college is, is important, how did you navigate what is the standard? That's a great question, and you're going to get probably a load of philosophy from me on this, but I think that conventional viewpoint is to focus on outcome, right? That's a grade point average. It is a specific performance in a class, whatever it might be. And I, I, I'm a firm believer, and in, in I'll, I'll be a bit dogmatic about this, but I'm a firm believer that that's actually an unhealthy pursuit. I think the focus is on effort. So we really started to shift our conversation, um, the direction of our uh, encouragement and the way we engage with the kids around what's your effort? Are, mm-hmm. are you doing your best? Are you putting in 100% effort? That's good. Because if a child has uh, a lower academic capacity and you focus on the outcome, now we're starting to get into a shame and blame kind of cycle with yep. them. And that's non-productive. If they have a high capacity, but they're underperforming and they're doing okay, are they really fulfilling their potential? I don't think either of those are good scenarios. Right. Better scenarios to say, what I want to reward or what I want to encourage with you is your efforts. So rather than say, I'm so proud of you for getting an A, I say, I love the effort you put into studying for that. Wow, I love how when you have an assignment, you jump on it early. Yep. Right? We want to encourage the things that represent character development. And this Absolutely. goes back to what we talked about before. It's not about the, the resume. It's about the heart. It's about right. the, the, the dynamic of who they are as a person. And what I found, and I'm very convicted about this, is that when we focus on their effort and the character with which they engage in the challenges of life, we get both. We get both yeah. the character and effort, and we get the best outcome possible. But if I only focus on the outcome, I put them in a place where they might decide to take shortcuts in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. So I might lose the character side of that, and ultimately that won't wow. sustain them when things become challenging in their life. Well, and if they don't meet that bar right. over a period of time, it may not, maybe it's science and that's not their thing, and they're... And, you know, so we think the outcome should be an A and they're getting B's mm-hmm. or whatever the standard, then they continually feel like they fail. Sure. Mm-hmm. Even right. if that is their best. Right. And if it's And that's their the best. message they hear is, well, I didn't do it. I'm exactly. not good at it. Right. Yeah. And I think it goes back to when we talk about the idea that we never wanted to make uh, our praise of them to be things like, oh, you look pretty today. It's like, oh, I love your clever style, or I like mm-hmm. the way you did that with that shirt, or that, you know, whatever. It, it's, it's. I want to reward the the pursuit mm-hmm. more than I want to pursue like the outcome. Yeah. And I think it's a little scary as a parent because you you know that the world they're not going to give you credit for effort. Like the world's going right. to give you credit for outcome. And so I think we, because if we're parent out of our fear for their future then we focus on just the outcome. We focus on the grade point average and these sorts of things. And I think that can be a hindrance to that. Absolutely. It's a great perspective. Absolutely. Great perspective. I have a story for that. Um, Bridget, this would apply to all of them. Fear starts creeping up in mamas when we don't see our kids studying. Right. Right? That's so So true. (laughs) What happens is when I don't see them studying, I start nagging. Hmm. Saying things like, do you have homework tonight? <gasps> yes. Um, when is your next test? When is this? Didn't you tell me there was a project due? Have you started? And I start getting involved, uh-huh. getting involved. And they get frustrated. It's like, mom, I got it. I got it. I got it. Right. And then I'm like, in my head going, you don't got it. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't see, see you it. studying. Yes. Right? And so with Bridget, I came, I came to her one day and I said, I feel like you're frustrated with me because I'm nagging. I knew I was nagging her because I was fearful that she wasn't doing her job. It wasn't a well-kept secret. No. <laughs> and so I said, Bridget, I feel like you're frustrated with me. And she goes, yeah, because you don't trust me. Yeah, And I heard said, that. okay, okay, let's lay this down. I need to confess fear rises up in me mm-hmm. when I see that you're not studying. And so when, I, when it's lack of seeing something, then I assume you're not doing anything. Right. So if you want to manage your mother... Which teenagers need to know, uh-huh. how do I manage my mom? That's so okay. true. I said, if you want to manage me and you don't want me nagging you, 
come to me and say, hey, mom, I have a test on Thursday. I've written my note cards and I'm meeting with so-and-so and we're studying on Tuesday or whatever, Friday. Because they're going to have bosses that see the same thing. Yeah. Well, so maybe I'm not seeing it, but at least tell me about she it. She tells right. me that. Yeah. Now I am, I'm right. so calm. That's a great, like, I love it. Oh, Good, you well, got a plan. But see, okay, here, great. Here's, here's what she doesn't know. I'm talking to the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and my conversation with the kids is, and it goes back to management principle actually yeah. from business. And it says, that the freedom you experience is inversely proportional to the anxiety your boss feels. Mm-hmm. In this scenario, mom's the boss. Mm-hmm. And so you can say, hey, mom, you need to give me more freedom. But that makes it mom's problem. My response is to say, hey, kids, if you want freedom, you need to manage her anxiety. Mm-hmm. You yeah. need to figure out That's what makes smart. her nervous and deal with that. And you can buy yourself all the freedom you want through your responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in your hands. Wow. You control it. So and as soon sick. as they get that, all of a sudden they're like, oh. Mom's a lot nicer now. Right. Huh. And nothing's really changed because they're doing yeah. what they were doing. They yeah. just That's learned great. to honor her. Right. And, to help and it's the communication. Mm-hmm. And I think and that's the big thing. And a good thing, right? The desire for them to do well. And I think I love that because what I'm, I'm just running through like 900 things in my brain mm-hmm. as I'm hearing you talk because we are so in it. We have yep. a ninth grader and, you know, it, we have to teach them how to communicate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially boys. Yeah. Right. Even more so. You know, everything's, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. <laughs> I'm just fine. And then you have a verbal mother like me that's, what else? Tell me about how fine you are. <laughs> but on the other side of that, I am learning that we have to talk about and explain to them how to talk mm-hmm. and communicate, which sounds, and I think that's where we get frustrated as parents is because we think it's innate. Yeah. Well, come on. I ask you a question. You're supposed to expound on it in about, you know, 10 sentences and la la la. And, and kids don't know that. And so that's a big thing that I'm learning with them at this age. And even middle schoolers is how to unpack something. You don't have to give me like a whole testimony. I just need some more detail than just fine. But that's something I think we're going to apply tomorrow. That's so right. That's going to be implemented tomorrow. <laughs> Not you. that we haven't applied certain things, but just that mentality, Randy, of mm-hmm. the freedom versus the anxiety and explaining that. Because CJ and Ty are at an age where they get it. And they're also at an age where they're hearing a lot of things that you were just talking about of the, hey, I haven't seen you studying. Hey, you got a big test coming. When are you studying? It's not, yeah, that's not new. That was literally two nights ago. (laughs) So that is something where, but if we can explain it and have that conversation, they're going to get that. We're applying that like tomorrow. Well, and it takes out that edge. Like, honestly, we are living like that. On the edge. Right this second, like Chris said, like that could be a conversation an hour ago. And so for me, I don't want to be the nagging mm-hmm. mom. The reason I'm asking is because I really just want to know, are you prepared? Yeah. And how can Because on you? the outside of it, when they come home or they text me, hey, I got this on it. Right. The, my question is going to be, how well did you prepare? What did you do to set yourself up for success? So it kind of right. helps. Well, one of the operating principles that, that we, we've tried to run on is that everybody's the hero in their story. In everybody's story, no matter what they're doing, they're the good guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Your kids aren't, aren't resisting your authority as a parent and then leaving the conversation and going, I'm a rotten kid. <laughs> I don't respect my mom and dad. I mean, nobody's saying that to themselves. What they're saying is... I am a great kid and I'm doing all these things and they don't trust me. They don't like me. They're, they're narrating their version of that experience mm-hmm. through the lens of their own goodness. Right. And as a parent, if we understand that, then we, then we speak to that. We say, listen, I know that you're mm-hmm. responsible. I know that you've got this under control. Right. So this, me coming and asking you isn't because I have a lack of confidence in you. It's because I worry. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can help take that worry away from me tomorrow. If you right. just talk to me a little bit about what's going on and you do that and you, guess what? You, you got all the freedom in the world. Right. So it's not about me coming in and stealing your independence from you or condemning you or making mm-hmm. you something that you're not. It's me because I love you because I don't know what's happening in my uncertainty. I have to assume the worst. Well, and that said, will apply in driving. Right. Yep. When they don't come home. Right. Right. If they, if they call us, um, we're here and we can't, Great, there's freedom in that because we're not worried now. Mm-hmm. But if you don't call us and you come home past your curfew, you've got angry mom now. That's right. Because I've been worried for you know an hour yeah. or whatever. And I was going to say it even translates into marriage. Sure. <laughs> because yeah, that communication, we often talk about the communication that Chris and I have to have. Mm-hmm. Like when Chris goes somewhere, he texts me. 
hey, by the way, I'm on my way home, but I'm stopping it somewhere. Sure. And then I'll be home later. And so it's, you know, we want to know where you are. It's not like I don't trust Chris. It's just that courtesy, you know, so it translates into future relationships where you're just keeping people. Yeah. We talk about with the kids. I tell the boys, I'm like, she's not my mom, Mm. but I want her to know where I'm at. So she's not worried. Mm -hmm. That's what we want from you. Mm -hmm. We're not hovering. We just want to know that you went from one parent or one kid's house to the next kid's house, just so we know where you're at. If there's something that we need or something we've got to get in touch with you about. Yeah. I do the same thing. I do exactly what you do when I'm doing something somewhere. I let mom know so she's aware. So, yeah. Talk to us about the, in this high school world, and it may have even started earlier, but uh, on the girl side of how did you navigate, what conversations did you have around boys, dating? What did that look like? What did you learn from Brooke to Brittany to to Bridget? Okay, well, this is a subject near and dear to me. (laughs) Okay, so I want you to know we messed up with Brooke, firstborn. And I parented her in the teenage years like I was parented, which was, you know, I was dating by 14, maybe. Hmm. And it was, Brooke was 16. And I would have loved to have been dating by 14. There were no other <laughs> reciprocals. <laughs> um, so when Brooke was 16, I remember her coming to me and saying, I, I think I like this guy. And I think he might like me. And um, instead of doing what we did with Brittany, I'll tell you what, about that, what that looks like. But, and so instead, I say to Brooke, great guy. You should totally move on that, right? Love his parents, love his family. <coughs> we knew him for a while. Oh, yeah, Brooke, good direction. And I literally pushed her right in to dating. So she begins dating this, this great man, young man at 16, dates him all the way till 18, so now he's a part of our family, sure. mm-hmm. right? Because there's no boys here. So right. we get one boy in, we're like, yay. Yeah, yeah. Randy is clinging to that. Oh, yeah. You want to watch a football game? Yeah. Super excited. So he's eating dinner with, he's eating dinner with us. Um, he's going places. With, I mean, we just loved him until your 18-year-old decides, hmm, maybe he's not for me. And so then we went through this breakup. The family breakup. The family breakup, which was literally, it broke our family. Our girls loved him. We loved him. But Brooke doesn't love him anymore. Hmm. And so now we went through this many, many, many little divorce. And our whole family (laughs) went like this. And Ray and I looked at each other and after this went down, we're like, oh, we have three of these beings. (laughs) How many times are we going to do this Uh in our family? This is not going to be good. Right. We evaluate this. And so Brooke and I, we've spent a lot of time talking about this. This is before her freshman year of college. And I said, baby, we got to go deep. We got to find out where is dating in the Bible. If you find it, we're both looking. We're going to study scriptures. What does God say? We're going to ask Jesus, what do you say about dating? And he doesn't say anything about dating. Right. So which causes me to think, Jesus, why are we dating? <laughs> so I went through this entire study of scripture. And that's not what I do. I speak on dating. So now, Brooke and I decided at that time, when I say decided, this was a discussion. We dug through scriptures together. She's now going to college. Mm-hmm. And um, we say, hey, your first year of college, it would be very wise for you to consider not dating. And let me, let me add something to that. This wasn't a we had a conversation and I imposed my will on Brooke mm-hmm. or Kristen imposed her will on Brooke. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was truly it was a conversation a where she it's shared... Okay. She shared in the realization that the model she had experienced, something was lacking, hmm. and that she was willing to step away from that for a season of her life and to trust that God could move in her and through her circumstances to satisfy that part of her that thought, I need a relationship. So it, it, it wasn't imposed. I think it's important to understand that. This was something that Brooke really owned. Yep. And, was, and she embraced it in a very deep way herself. Right. Okay, so she goes off to college and um, decides on her own um, that she's not going to date her first year of college. You don't know these men. Even if you did, even if you went to school with them and mm-hmm. you go to Georgia, you have no idea what they're going to do with freedom. Right. Because freedom yeah. changes a lot right. of people. Absolutely. Even you, Brooke. Right. What are you going to do with freedom? Right? So... That's what she does, and the Lord, and she comes. She draws so close to the Lord during that mm-hmm. freshman year of college, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. 
So now let me take you back to our home because she goes to college. Mm -hmm. But now I have a 16-year-old, maybe 15, and a 13-year-old. And I've just gone through this journey of scripture and time with the Lord going, Lord, what is this like? Mm -hmm. So then we begin to change our philosophy. So when our kids, our girls come to us and they say, at any age, I think it starts around 10 now. This kid over here, he's super cute. Mm -hmm. Or I like him. Or, you know, he sent me a text and they are so excited. So now we say, tell me about him. What do you like about him? What about him makes your heart flutter? Okay. So the girls have journals. Mm -hmm. Now I want you to write down what you liked about him. Oh, he's funny. It's funny about, they really, they might say they're drawn to the attraction of their physical being, but Mm -hmm. they're not. They're drawn to their personalities. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's okay if they're drawn to their physical being. And so if they say, oh, he's cute, I'll say, great, what physical attribute do you love? Oh, I like blonde hair, blue eyes. Write that down. You like blonde hair, blue eyes, right? Or I like an athlete, or I like a musician, or whatever it is about him. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did this with Ben. So our girls from an early age noticed several things about Ben Lakin. And one of them was how he treats his sisters, Mm-hmm. And they would say, he's so kind to them. He doesn't tell them they're stupid and he doesn't make fun of them and whatever. He's so kind to his sisters. So I would say to all of them, because all of us had eyes on Ben. Right. Okay. <laughs> he was a close family friend. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, then what you're looking for is you like a man that has respect for women. That's mm-hmm. good. And they loved how Ben treated his mom. And, but any, even to this day, so Bridget's now in college mm-hmm. and she'll say, Hey, I like this guy. She's had her eye on this guy. And I'm like, awesome. Tell me what you're attracted to. Because he might not be the guy, but the Lord is narrowing her focus so that when she does find him, he meets this list. That's right. So let me take you back to Brittany. I know this is confusing for everybody listening because all these names start with B. (laughs) But Brittany is Ben's wife. Brittany, when she was younger, she would say... Because we swing dance. What's the past tense? We would do swing dancing. Swing dancing. <laughs> we weren't Wait a minute. swingers. Yeah. You didn't swung. Randy, you, <laughs> you were a swing dancer? You, you know some moves? He's got some moves. Yes, right. he does. We saw some at the wedding. He's got yeah. some moves. That's right. That's right. So I we would swing moves. dance in the basement. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Brittany came to me one day. She's like, I really wish that my husband will, could swing dance. I said, write that down in your journal. Hmm. Swing That's dancing. Right. Right? That's right. See how narrow we're getting this? Yeah. So get this. So Brittany goes to Denver, Colorado to see her best friend, which happens to be Ben's sister. Okay. She's 16. You need to know before this, Brittany is annoying to Ben. <laughs> okay. Ben and Brooke are the same age. Brittany was annoying. And so here comes Brittany to Denver to hang out with Becca and music is playing. What does Ben do? Ben grabs Brittany and starts to swing dance with her. Oh my gosh. How she fun. calls me that night and she's a mess. And she's like, something has just happened. <laughs> I, whatever the past tense of swing dance is, I just did that with Ben. And swing? Swing? <laughs> swing. Swung? You swung, swung dance? Swung dance. I just swang with Ben. I just swing dance? Swung. <laughs> Someone can call in and yeah. supply this answer. But, but do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now when I teach my middle schoolers, it's okay to like people. And mm-hmm. great. First of all, don't tell them because that's going to mess up the whole friendship. Right. Right. But begin to write down what do you like about that person. Hmm. And your list mm-hmm. will change because you can go from blonde hair to blue eyes to all of a sudden, oh, I like redheads. Right. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be. Right. But God, in his creativity, he will begin to funnel that thing down so that when you do meet him, mm-hmm. you know. You Which know. is funny you said that because I had a list. And I had a list. And I was a late bloomer, so I got married later. See? But I prayed because I thought I there is a list of people, a list of attributes that were very important to me. And that was funny because I still have the book too. Mm-hmm. And I That is so great though. I, I loved hearing that. That just totally resonated with me because I think oftentimes we are so enamored with a person or someone that gives you affirmation that we forget about what we truly are drawn towards. Yeah. At the end of the day, when you get knowing someone long term, so yeah. I mean, think about think about Psalms, not Psalms, Proverbs thirty one. Mm-hmm. 
This is a letter from Bathsheba to Solomon. We all think it's a letter for us, for moms. Right. Be a better mom. Yeah. But if you dig in, you will find that it is a letter from Bathsheba to her son Solomon. And she begins to describe what a woman that he needs to look for. Hmm. She's a woman that gets up early. She's a woman that yeah. is in the field. And who is he drawn to first? When you read um, Song of Solomon, he sees her in a field working. That's so cool, yeah. So as parents, I think it's our job now to help them with their list, to say, yes, that quality that you see, that makes a great husband. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You should add that to your list. That's awesome. We've done, we've Mm -hmm. talked about lists because we've both had lists and we've talked to singles Mm -hmm. about lists because that's, that's what we learned in our singlehood is what helped bring us closer and and find narrowing that focus to where we found each other Mm -hmm. did not even occur to me. To, to have that conversation with our kids, with the singles that we're going to eventually, that we're raising, right? Yeah, they're they're gonna, single right yeah. Now. yeah. Did not even occur to me to think that, to coach them on that. I mean, think about it. It's power in words, right? We talked earlier about the idea of speaking the truth of your kid's identity over them. It's no different than sitting down and, and, and speaking the truth of your future mate. Mm-hmm. Right, because right. when you when you give voice to this idea of the person you're really attracted to, the qualities and the nature of that person, you suddenly become very resonant with that. Right, you start to understand what doesn't fit to that and what does fit to that, and it becomes very clear for you. Mm-hmm. And and it's I, I also think it attaches to a big idea that this, that's pretty important from our point of view, which is what's the purpose of dating? I think it's something that in our culture we don't think a lot about it. But I do think it's actually a relevant element of a conversation to say, what is the perfect, the purpose of dating? Why, why do we date at all? Mm-hmm. And I think for many of us, it's to, to try on the experience of relationships. Mm-hmm. It's to see what that feels like. It's to, to enjoy just being desired and wanted by another person. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to ask yourself, well, why, what am I trying to satisfy by that? Because right. if you can answer that question in, in, a, in the sense of, I'm dating so that I uh, can can build a relationship with somebody who might be a future a spouse. Uh, I think in your position in your life where that's a possibility, I think that's a very reasonable thing to do. Mm-hmm. But when we're middle schoolers and high schoolers, we're not going to marry those people. So what are we doing? We're really setting ourselves up for temptation and to, to stretch boundaries and to even uh, make decisions that we're going to carry into the rest of our life. So let me ask you this on the heels of that. And it's not a, um, I don't have an answer. I just want to, we've heard so many different philosophies about the dating. And so are you feeling like you guided your girls not to date specifically, right? Right. Okay. Now, there's no rule in our house you cannot date. Right. But we definitely guided them. You kind of guided them that way. So and I get that on some side. But then on the other side, we've also heard, and I don't have a stance on it. You know, we're, we're we still learning. We're still learning, but I'm just trying to flesh it out. Mm-hmm. Is that there's also the side of it that's if your kids are going to choose to date, you have them do it while they're under your roof so that you can kind of shepherd that process mm-hmm. to teach them. Because I know when I... I ran amok. Like I did not understand how to. And so when I got to college, I didn't have a good history. You know, I didn't have any context of good dating. So what would you guys think based on the fact that you've had middle school, high schoolers, and now you have adults looking back on that? What is your stance on that? Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to jump in before you real quickly, because I would actually challenge Krista's viewpoint on that. She said that we did not, we shaped their viewpoint on that. I think we asked a question, hmm. and I think we challenged them to say, if you, if you want to date, you have the freedom to date. Right. right? We're, not, we're not laying down a law. We're not imposing you know, kind of hard rules in the household. And mm-hmm. if, if that's something you choose to do, you have the freedom to do. We think we're old enough to make that choice. But I think we, we, we constantly ask the question, what are you pursuing in this? Is it because you're seeking to be valued, appreciated? Is, is it companionship? Is it to just, just mm-hmm. try this experience on for size, um, but knowing that it inevitably will reach an end, and now you have to learn what that looked like to, to end a relationship? I think asking those questions and, and, and absolutely and truly giving them the freedom to choose right. the decision and the direction that they wanted to take, I would tell you they self-selected. 
Mm-hmm. It, it was not. We it, there was no like, look, you can date if you want to, but if you do, you're going to disappoint your entire family. Mm-hmm. Right? There's nothing. There's no pressure <laughs> like that coming from us. It was simply yeah. that, hey, these are just questions we want to ask you. We want you to think about it, and then with some introspection, they chose on their own. Okay, so also you need to know that in the background. Mama is face down. <laughs> That's right. Okay. We've talked about this. And so I am, it's not that I'm praying against a man or a young man. I'm praying against the enemy to steal from my daughter what was something for somebody else. Got it. Okay. Yep. So um, I'm going to give you an example of this without giving names. <clears throat> there was a daughter who called me and said, I'm getting ready for this great party. It's going to be awesome. And as a mom, I'm like, okay, great. Sounds fun. What you wearing? You know, doing yeah. these kind of things. But inside, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, this new guy's going to be there. And I'm really, you know, he asked if I was going. So I'm, whatever. So this guy, I don't know. And um, I was like, great. Well, what outfits? I'm trying to be interested. Mm-hmm. We get off the phone and I'm filled with anxiety. Right. <laughs> so I go to my closet and fall face down and say, Lord, you know the young man she's talking about. I'm not praying against him. But if the enemy is involved in this in any way, to steal from my daughter what is for somebody else, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. There's a verse in Proverbs, and I'll have to find it for you. But it says that no other man will drink from my cistern. It's in the first couple because mm-hmm. it's all about wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so I would begin to pray this over my girls, all of them. I still pray it over Bridget. No man will drink from my daughter who isn't her husband. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So fast forward, she's just called me. You know, I'm going to a party. So the next morning, I want to be cool. <laughs> Follow up. How was the party? And she says, you're not going to believe this. I didn't go. I went down to do some laundry. And there was a guy in the whatever, you know, doing laundry. He was so cool. He was a believer, blah, blah, blah. And I literally stayed down there and talked to him the whole time. So that just showed me right. that there was an intent from the enemy to steal something from my daughter that day. Mm-hmm. And we don't know, you know, the prayers mm-hmm. of us, of the yeah. righteous man availeth much. Yeah. And so who's praying for our kids if we're not? Right. No one. Right. Right? And so it is, my passion is to pray for my girl's purity mm-hmm. because I didn't have it. Right. Right? And I went to whatever came my way out of insecurity. Right. And whatever. And so I am super passionate about this. Hmm. So am I a fan of dating? Yes, in college when they're ready to marry. Got it. Right? Yeah. But they can't legally get married until they're 18 in the state of Georgia. Okay? So why would we practice marriage before before it's, it's even time? Yeah, before it's even time. Yeah. It's not. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't really need people getting married right. at 18. But right. Well, I, I, I think we recognize that that's an unconventional viewpoint. And that for many people, that's probably not something that they'd be comfortable adopting or, or taking on. But I do think you have to ask yourself that question. Absolutely. What are you seeking to accomplish through this? And, and what's it going to produce in your life? It's mm-hmm. going to produce baggage. Absolutely. And, and things that come along with it. Now, that's not to say that we told our children that they couldn't go to prom with a date. Oh, for sure. Sure. Right. You know, and they, they did that. They went to prom with a date. But it was it was... In the context that we're going to be around friends and we're going to build relationships and we're going to start to think about the character and the nature of a person that is really worth our attention yeah. and our energy. And it's not going to be, I, I think everybody even listening, it's, it's not that it's something that, okay, everybody's got to take and say, okay, I'm going to do that. But it, what it did or what it hopefully is going to do is it starts a conversation. Absolutely. For sure. Right. Yeah. It starts yeah. a conversation yeah. between a mom and a dad to talk about what do we want Mm-hmm. What do we want in our home yeah. for our kids? So yeah. it's not whether it's the right thing to do, wrong thing it to do, or whatever. It's going to be yeah. different for each one. And mm-hmm. yeah. But it, I think it's going to help cause a conversation to happen around what do, what is our approach. Yeah. Right. You know. So yeah. I think that's where it's great. Yeah, and dating is one of the freedoms yeah. Absolutely. that you get. You know, I, I, another statement that we would make, and this relates to dating, but it relates to a, a lot of other things <clears throat> in the lives of, uh, of a high schooler going into college. Like, how do they launch into life mm-hmm. and do that in a, in a really productive and, and responsible way? Is We're firm believers in the principle that the weight of responsibility has to sit with the proper owner. And very often, as a parent, because of the anxiety that I might feel about consequences of the decisions and choices that kids make, I end up taking the weight of responsibility. 
right? It's kind of the classic. You hear the term helicopter parent these yep. things today, and I think it sort of fits into that motif. I'm a big believer in the res- in shifting the yep. burden of responsibility to the child. Yeah, I want them to feel it, and it's a great example of this um, in the state of Georgia when you get your driver's license at 16, you have a six-month period that you cannot take a passenger in the car right. with you. You have to drive by yourself <clears throat> or with a family member. And there was just happened to be a, a Saturday that, uh, happened to be a Saturday that my daughter was with friends and they went to a Chick-fil-A and uh, they all met to have lunch. And while they were there, there's maybe five or six of them. And one of the girls was dropped off by her mother and none of the girls had passed their six-month limit. So no one was technically allowed to take a passenger. So this daughter calls me up and she said, hey, I'm in so-and-so place. This is what's happened. It's just a couple of miles to the church to go to this next thing. And my friend Anna's here and Anna needs a ride. Are you okay if I drive her? Now, the truth is, is she was a very responsible driver. I trusted her. And the reality is I didn't really care because I didn't really see a lot of risk of the decision. But... I started thinking about it and I thought the point right now is not for me to decide for her is to see that she can decide for herself. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, what's the consequences? What happens if you get caught with her in the car? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I think I lose my license. I think it's because get suspended for 90 days or something like that. So, well, that's, that's pretty severe. And I, and she said, but I'll, I'll be super careful. I'll be really, really extra careful. I said, that's great. I, I know that you will because you're a responsible driver, but what if you don't do anything wrong and someone runs into you? And now there's a police officer there. He's going to look at your license and realize you don't have your six months and you had a passenger in the car. I said, do you think there's going to be any grace for you or are you going to still get your license suspended? She said, well, probably. I said, okay. I said, well, the, the Department of Motor Vehicles did not issue me your license. They gave it to you. So clearly they think you're capable of making a choice and a decision about what you're going to hmm. do right now. So it's up to you. Whatever you choose is fine. Just let me know. Wow. Now, I think that's great. <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking... Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> actually, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't care. <laughs> that's but, right. <laughs> it's just like, I don't even know how you're going to follow And she was quiet for a second. She said, I hate when you do this. <laughs> and she had a bit of a laugh about it. So she hung up. And I don't know what she did. So several hours passed, and I finally texted her back and said, what did you end up doing? And she called me, and she said... We talked about it as a group with her friends, and she said, once I positioned it the way you positioned it with me, we all decided that it probably wasn't the wisest choice. And we called around and found somebody's mom who was nearby and was able to come pick this girl up and take her where she needed to go. And I remember thinking to myself, I love that because the point wasn't to fix the decision. The point was to help shape her ability to own the decision. Mm-hmm. That's good. I felt like that was more yeah. important. Now, there That's were plenty great. of businesses where I jumped in. Right. I just did dad and made the choice told her what to do. I mean, there's lots of chances that I did that, but this just happened to be one that really resonates in my mind where that happened. And, you know, now I look at her as a married adult and I see her ability to act independently in the face of trade-off decisions by thinking about consequences and thinking about, am I willing to accept the risk of that? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's about when she, when she knew what it felt like to carry the true weight of a decision, I think she was equipped to make a choice. Yeah. For herself. I think that's the exact same thing when it comes to dating. I think that's the exact same thing when it comes to, am I going to drink mm-hmm. alcohol? Am I going to take drugs? You know, all of the choices and decisions and temptations that come to kids, we were very, very worried about what happens in the long-term trajectory with them. If they make a bad decision that can, that can, you know, really affect their life in the short term. But we also have to early on in the process help them start carrying the weight of smaller decisions yep. so that when the big ones come, mm-hmm. they know what that feels like. Yeah, that's great. That definitely gets into, I mean, some of the things we've been talking about is preparing for, you know, CJB in a ninth grade, Ty following up right behind him. Um, how Because it's a short period. He's ninth grade. All of a sudden, now we're in 10th grade. Now there's oh, only three. Just flies. How do we prepare him? And then again, like I said, the others to launch. And so that's where that is so helpful. Can you think of, because we've talked about that, and even in dating, I think that was even kind of preparing for the launch, right? Mm -hmm. Can you think of anything else that you guys have learned through that process with the three girls about preparing them to launch out into college, that freedom of being on their own, they're managing their time, they're managing their technology, they're managing whatever that is. Parties and Yeah. What What else did you guys do? Or looking back, 
wow, I wish we would have done that, to prepare them to be on their own. I will say this. Our kids didn't have a lot of free time growing up. We kept them busy intentionally, I think. (laughs) They all had jobs, Hmm. multiple jobs. Uh Because when you have free time, there's time to work. And so then we taught them how to manage their money early on. They had debit cards and stuff early. I think a busy teenager is... Healthier. Healthier. I do. I agree. I, think, I, I, I don't see think that. they have a lot of time to get into Sucked things. into the other stuff. Yes. They actually... A busier teenager is going to do better academically because they have to learn how to manage their time. Yeah. That's good. Which prepares them to be college. Yeah, in college, college when they've got to manage a new schedule, potentially a job, or extracurricular, whatever it may be, or you know, sports clubs, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, groups, whatever. Yeah. I would say one thing is, and, and we, we've actually had previous conversations about this, is that we, we didn't have a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, we've had friends ask us about that. Like, what were your rules about alcohol? We didn't have one. And, and, and that sounds cheeky, I guess, to say that. But the thought process there is that if the only thing that's going to conform your kid's behavior is your rule, you're really not going to get their behavior. Because they're, they're, more, they're fearful of consequences, but their heart's disobedient. Yeah. I think we had principles. You know, we had an idea that said, um, you know, do you respect authority? Are you willing to live under authority? Are you willing to, um, to make choices and decisions that ultimately you, you may regret later in your life? You've got to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, when Brooke, our oldest, went to college, she made a decision to not drink alcohol. And for most college kids today, that's it's a bit of an odd choice to say, I'm not going to drink. And it's pervasive. And she chose not to, to the point where it became a part of her reputation in kind of a funny way. People were constantly like, you know, come on, just just have a drink. And she was doing it for us. It had nothing to do with, with mom and dad. She was coming back and reporting to us about that choice and decision. She simply said, I made a choice that well, I would yeah, wait. It's illegal, she said. It's, yeah. it's illegal, so if I'm going to choose to you know, disobey the law then I, I might have a consequence that comes mm-hmm. to them. And she, she just made a choice. It was interesting. Yeah. She had this conviction that said she wanted to live by her own word. Mm-hmm. And so we never, there was never a sit down where we said, you're going to college, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. It was, we expect you to own responsibility for your future in your life. I hope I can say this because you're probably going to say, Chris, you probably should have said that. Now we will tell you, Prior to launching college, that fresh that summer before their freshman year, we did give them drink. We did say, "Here's a glass of wine." We wanted them to know their limit. Mm-hmm. What does Brittany look like with one glass of wine? Hmm. What does Brittany look like with one and a half glasses of wine? How many licks does it take? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> with with they're all different. Uh-huh. Sure. And two, it didn't make. Um, alcohol, such a non-tangible, or, yeah, or such taboo. taboo. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you would, would you like to try some beer? Right. Well, yeah. let me qualify that. In the state of Georgia, it is legal <laughs> to allow an eighteen-year-old to have alcohol in, in your the privacy of your home. Right. right. So we weren't violating the law <laughs> in this context, and that was. Important. Thank you for right. clarifying that as a rule follower. Yeah. Well, but it, I think you're firstborn. Right. <laughs> yeah, I am not. Second. But 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 I do think it's an important principle. But, Absolutely. But clearly, I think I think there was a moment where we said, "There's a mystery, mm-hmm. right? There's a mystique. There's a curiosity that gets attached to this." And I said, "I don't I don't want that to be the case." So. I want you to know what this feels like. I want you to drink something. And, and we didn't sit them down and like, you have to drink this. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> but, but, but there was a freedom to say, hey, do you want to try this? Do you want to, do you want to have a drink? And, and, and how do you feel right now? And he's like, oh, my gosh, I feel, I feel weird. And I was like, is that a good feeling or a bad feeling? It's like, it's a bad feeling. It's like, okay. Well, imagine right now you had to make a serious decision, then we unpack yeah. that after the or fact. Or you're behind a car and, wheel or and whatever. Or you're in the middle of an apartment where you don't know anybody. Yeah. Right. right. It really helped, I think, them to provide some perspective on there's this allure of this, and very often it's a, it's social pressure and a lot of other things, but you know, you're, you're going to be in a place where you will have the freedom to choose and no one's going to regulate your behavior. Mm-hmm. I think that's great because... Um, you know, we've always been on the, under the school of thought that our kids can taste what we're drinking. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if we're saying no, 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 then that there's a weird division that is created. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've always had a a saying, or at least it's my saying is like too much of a good thing is too much for any age for cooking. If you had too much salt or if you had too much vanilla or perfume or whatever, too much of a good thing is too much. And I I always say that about alcohol, whether I'm 21 or older Hmm. or not, too much of a good thing is too much because it'll blur my vision and mm-hmm. change my perspective. And that's something I've always shared with them is that don't get mistaken that once you become an illegal adult, that drinking, you just run amok. Right. You still have to be responsible. But we've I feel like it's our duty to expose our kids. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. And obviously, we're not going to say, hey, kids, let's have a pitcher of beer together. But for them to taste what, because that like, the curiosity is quelched right there. And they are, because oftentimes they're like, ooh, why do you even like it? Right. You know? And we're like, well, you know, when you get older, sometimes you think, but we don't want them to have to think, my parents always said no, no, no. And so by the time they get to college, they are like, freedom. Yes. And that's where you hear a lot of kids. I was around a lot of those kids that they just wanted to experience everything like Mm -hmm. full on. So. Well, I think, I think it all goes back to this idea for us. It's about kids need to learn to carry their weight. Mm-hmm. You know, the weight of responsibility, the weight of decision-making, the weight of the choices that they make. And if we can create the ability for them to do that when there's still the safety net mm-hmm. of mom and dad around them, but let them really own it. Not just, you know, you know, not in a cute way, but in a true and deep way, this is your consequence. Mm-hmm. And if you choose badly in this right. scenario, you're going to experience a negative consequence. And then... Not to parent out of our own fear, but to let them experience that consequence. Yeah. The, I think the earlier they do that, the more quickly they mature into a person who says, oh, I can actually make choices and decisions that will affect my future. And there's no safety net. And I don't mean safety net like we wouldn't you know, help them in a desperate situation. Yeah. But you know, if you're going to act hostile to another person, you're going to damage a relationship and I'm not going to try to save you. Right. And it might be a pain that you have to carry with you for, for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But you're going to learn a lesson about relationships that will never leave you. Right. And I want you to really feel what it's like to have that weight on your shoulders, to carry that weight. Because as soon as you do, you know what it's like to live as a complete and full adult. Mm-hmm. You know, James 1 says, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials because the testing of your faith produces endurance Mm-hmm. And in that, it's made perfect, and you have all that you need. And yeah. I love that idea that the same thing applies in the way we parent our children. Yeah. So why would we insulate them from right. the burden and the weight of responsibility for bad choices that they make? Yeah, such a great message. I know for us, as we're entering into um, the now these later you know high school years, two of them coming behind, and probably so many others um, that are out there as well that are getting ready to head into the season. And they don't know what it's like. They don't. They only have their experience, and they want to do it different. So, such a great message. Thanks for letting us peek in to your story and just the things that you've learned, the things that you saw went well, the things you've you've talked about. Hey, we made mistakes here. Uh, we just really appreciate it. The mm-hmm. transparency uh, and there's just the conversation and the time we got to spend with you guys. So, thank you so much. Um, I think it's going to be a real benefit for folks that are listening. It's been fun. It's yeah. a great time. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, didn't you just love that one? I did. That was so great. And yeah, I, I want to sit down for a third time. I think we have to come with up them. with new topics to sit with those yeah. guys on. And there's plenty because they're going to be grandparents soon. That's right. That's right. Not that that's in our near future. But anyhow, we hope that you loved it as much as we did. Our favorite by far, I think, was really talking through the dating and there's so many different thought processes on it and you're going to have your own Mm -hmm. Um, we talked to a couple different parents and they talk about the same topic and we've really kind of continue to even wrestle with it I don't even Mm -hmm. think wrestling is the right word but based on our kids and just based on experience what we want them to kind of walk through under our roof will help you determine that but I did love the idea of them looking through favorite things we've already talked about that with our older two, and just said, hey, start looking at qualities of what you're interested in. Yeah, the whole idea of the list, and uh, and we did this when we were single. Right. You know, in our 20s and you 30s. You were on my list. Yeah, and, but <laughs> I didn't even think about it 
from the perspective of our kids. I just right. I just haven't gone there. I don't know my mind. Maybe just it just hasn't. Yeah, I, yeah. Maybe it's that. But that, I loved how intentional Krista said. You know, they were with their girls because really you do start having a bent mm-hmm. on things that you're drawn towards. And I think sometimes, depending on your child, I think you can help navigate that, yeah. you know, so that they're not just out dating like crazy people. Mm-hmm. But then also, um, you may want to walk through yeah. some likes with some of your kids just to teach them what their role is in a relationship. Yeah, it was a really cool thought process, and I enjoyed it because it was, it was a new one. Yeah. Uh, we hadn't heard that with some of the other couples. And she's so. super intentional with that. They were awesome. Yeah. All right, so, hey, coming up in our next episodes that's going to come out in September, so a little bit of a side note. So September, and this is relevant for us and especially for what I do for a living working with Lighthouse Family Retreat, September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. So as a part of that, uh, Jan and I sat down with Cliff and Tracy Atfield, and we're going to be listening to those folks in September. We've mm-hmm. got two episodes we'll do. And the unique piece about this one is Cliff and Tracy. One, they have two kids that are now in college. And so we're going to learn from them and just right. as parents, mm-hmm. uh, boy and a girl, their oldest is a daughter, is their daughter. And youngest is um, Trey, who you guys have uh, maybe even heard from on, the, on a little podcast. college detour. Um, but we're also going to hear about it a little bit from the perspective of how did childhood cancer or just the tra- trauma of dealing with something like that, how did that affect your lens of parenting? And so they'll speak right. a little bit to that as well. But I'm going to highlight that since it is a, a special month from our perspective that right. we want to try to bring some awareness to uh, to Childhood Cancer Awareness Month in September. Mm-hmm. And they have tons of other great stuff yeah. to consider. Oh, gosh, as well. tons. Yeah, they had some great info um, outside of just that lens, just on parenting. So you guys are going to really enjoy that, but that's coming in September. If you haven't already, make sure you go out and subscribe to the podcast, uh, wherever that is that you're listening to it, if it's on iTunes or uh, or anywhere else out there, as well as check out the Facebook page. We've got some updates that come out mm-hmm. there. Uh, we'll highlight any books or any kind of resources and things like that. We definitely want to hear from you. So yeah. your feedback is really important. I know we definitely have people who reach out to us personally, but if you could also put some of your questions or any of your comments out on Facebook or even on our review, that would be helpful for other people that are tracking with us. Awesome. So we'll catch up with you guys next month in September. We'll talk to you later. See you.